0: I am so delighted. We have an exceptional guest. Anav Lavi is with us. Uh, She is a well-respected global HR leader. She's been in the industry for over 20 years. Uh, Currently, she leads people and talent for QualiTest, which is a global leader in providing AI-powered quality engineering services. Anav, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. And,
0: Enoch, right out of the gate, uh, you know, 20-plus years within the HR industry, leading, rapidly growing, scaling companies, how did you find yourself in this position? Can you share your, your journey with us?
1: Yes, definitely. So I have a very interesting background I would say. I started, I was living in Israel back then, many years back. I cannot tell you my age but then many years back. Uh, Being in Israel in the army, I was doing actually teaching New Immigrants Hebrew. That's what I was doing and I was always passionate about uh, learning development, how to develop people, how to help them growing. This is what I did. When I left the army, I went to look on what I want to do and I Learned uh, economics and finance, and and um, this is what I wanted to do in life when I grow up. But I found that I really like the combination of how I can really take that uh, experience and passion about people uh, learning development and bring it to the world of business. How I can help companies scale up and uh, develop their talent, which is the most important uh, asset that every company has. How they can utilize what they have in house and and develop and and focus people and. Uh, this is what I'm doing today, and for many years, I'm finding the balance with how to support the company's scale with a lot of m as with a lot of uh, not only m but orga- organic growth uh, by developing the talent. So I'm lucky enough to do both in my career.
0: Fascinating. I'm really interested in the company that you currently oversee people and talent functions. Tell us a little bit about QualiTest and what you do.
1: QualiTest exists for about 25 years. It's uh, Originally, it was an Israel-based company. The founder is an Israeli uh, founder, uh, 25 in the market. They've started as a software testing company, providing testing uh, services to clients. Uh, and gradually, the company has become more of moving into uh, digital engineering, uh, quality engineering, more into DevOps. And this is what we are doing today. We are using AI to develop, uh, to support our clients and helping clients with the digital transformation they are going through. Right. So throughout the year, I've been with Quality, so I'm actually celebrating 10 years next month. And I've seen the huge progress of how the company was moving from being a provider of testing services. And now we are really allowing our clients to, to process and to develop their uh, digital transformation uh, practices or initiatives. Uh, being a partner of our clients, being part of their teams, getting in and helping them to scale up. Um, Quality is a great place to work. I have, I've seen the company growing. When I joined the company, we had about 700 people and now we are more than 7,500. Uh, So I've seen the scale, uh, very exciting. A lot of M&As, a lot of uh, organic growth, getting into new sectors, new uh, areas, um, getting new leaders that are driving the company to the next step. So I've seen a lot of good progress in the last few years.
0: Well, I am so interested. I think we're so interested to learn your secret recipe. That type of growth is incredibly rare. You know, 700 plus individuals to... 10 times that, um, what do you attribute your growth to? That's question one. And related to that, you know, how were you able to retain kind of the core company culture uh, that you started with, with now 10 times the amount of employees?
1: Oh, wow. These are two big questions. So let me start with the first one. Um, I think when I joined Qualitas, I put a goal to myself and every company that I was at, I've started with setting goals to myself, setting goals to my team and, and following that, the goals of the company. So I think anyone that goes and thinking about how they can grow their career and how they can support the scale of companies have to start by understanding the company's goals. What is the company trying to achieve? What are the missions, the vision of the company? What, what is the culture of that company? And when you start by understanding how the company is doing what they're doing or what we are trying to achieve, and then you take it to your your goals as an individual, if the company is looking to expand into different geos. Am I able to support the company in that sense? Do I have the experience with other geos to support that growth? If I don't have, how am I going to learn and develop myself to be, to be in a position that I can support the company? So I think what I've done in my careers in quality so well before was to really identify what the company needs, where the company goes, and then aligning my career goals and my team's goals to the company's ones. And it's go end by end. If you will be looking how to help the company, the company will help you. And I've seen that uh, even before with my previous organizations and with Qualites, I was growing every time. I started in Qualites as the HR manager, for the Americas only, we only had about 40 people in, in the U.S. by then. And I gave myself a target, a goal that I'm going to be the VP people in talent, and I'm going to manage other countries. And then I set up a goal of promoting and being to be promoted and to put myself as the CHRO. And I worked very hard to make that point, when the CEO back then, many years back, told me, no, enough, we're going to get someone to do that job because you don't have. And I've said, no, I'm going to show you how to do it. And I set up goals and I've, I was able to put very, a very clear plan of how I'm going to be the VP. And then we acquired companies in the UK and we were growing. And then in India and then in, uh, now we are facilitating out of uh, 12 countries, uh, three different continents. Uh, and again, 7,500 people. But I think setting goals is probably the most important point. Um, to your second question about the culture, so I'm very passionate about that. And what is very interesting is that as you grow, you cannot just keep the same culture. Culture. What is the culture? The culture is the company's atmosphere, right? Is what we believe in, how we can grow, what, are, what we as individuals, how we can go together and bring the company together. But it is all about the day to day, it's about the relationship, about the trust that we build, about how we work as a team. So the culture that we had back then, ten years ago, it's very different than the culture that we have today. The main principles we kept, we kept that we respect others and we drive. We are very agile and we drive. we, We are very passionate about what we are doing. But some of it we have to align. And I've been. I've have, I have been part of setting up the cultures and the set of values for the company three times in quality test because every couple of years you need to really look into who are the managers that are leading this company, what they are looking for, where do we want to go, what is our mission and vision, and how, how the culture and the, the behaviors, how we are going to demonstrate the next step and how we can push the company ahead. So just couple about two years ago, we had a new CEO Anbu, and we had to put a, I, I was suggesting to put a new set of values to the company. And, and the way to do it, and the way that we did it, is to go and interview many individuals from the company from different levels, from different geo, from different uh, career aspirations or roles within the company. and we did a lot of focus groups and we did workshops of what quality culture is. What do you want quality culture to be? And what is quality discussion now? And we've started comparison those two of where we are, where we want to be, and then closing those gaps in common. We we can we follow main principles that we believe in, and not only believe. Believe is not enough. You really need to demonstrate those. So we were talking about uh, when we're talking about growth, right? This is one of our, our innovation. This is one of our uh, main values, right? Are we on our daily, day-to-day job, are we demonstrating this value? And we gave examples and we were challenging each other with, you know what, you're not proposing an idea, but is it an innovative idea? Is it what will drive qualities to the next step? So putting the the values in place is probably the easy part, but how do you live by the value, how you put it in your day-to-day and how it starts from the CEO of the company and how the CEO talks with the employees and with anyone about what is that, the values, and how we are demonstrating those values, this is the main challenge.
0: Yeah, fascinating. Jess, I'm sure you've got a ton of questions with what Anath uh, has shared.
2: Yeah, well, um, and I'm thinking about one of the other best things that come out of Israel, and that's uh, Gal Gadot at Wonder Woman. And I feel like you guys are have a kinship, like you want to get stuff done.
1: Very honored to be uh, mentioned next to Gal Gadot. Thank you for that. I, I will remember. I was really
2: interested to read the way you describe yourself and the way that you put your LinkedIn profile together. And this idea of, that you see yourself partnering with the CEO and that you specialize in PE-backed business. And um, you know just as you're talking now, like it's evident that you bring an attitude that maybe not everyone in the HR profession brings of like, um, it's not just about the people. It's the people in context for the business and where the business is going. Um, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show and investment fund managers. And as they're thinking about their people policies and the way that they want to shape their cultures to not just make people happy, but to have a great place to work that does performance and, and to maybe balance those two out, what kind of advice would you have for them?
1: So I think it is a long, long time now that people are not talking about happiness anymore. It's much more than that, right? When people are looking for jobs, they're not looking to be happy. The happiness is what they are doing after work. It's what mostly brings them happiness. When they come to companies like Quality, so any company, people want to be recognized. People want visibility, transparency. People want to know that they have I, my next step is very clear to me. I know what do I need to do to move to the next step. And these are the principles that I believe in. And when I'm talking with a lot of C- uh, CEOs, uh, mostly for small companies that are now thinking of how to grow their companies and what do I need to do as a CEO, my first advice is just to be transparent. Transparent, over communicating, share with the last employee from the junior to the last managers of what is your vision? Why, did you, why are you the CEO of this company? What do you believe in this company? And I'm seeing a lot of CEOs talking about what amazing company we have and we have amazing goals, but sometimes forget to mention the challenges that the company is facing. And this is where I'm talking about transparency. It is okay to say the company is facing some challenges this month and we want to share it with the employees because once it's all about knowledge sharing. So if you as a CEO can share with your employees the challenges, one of them might have some good solution. One of them might have some good ideas to help the company and to drive the company ahead. But it is even more important than that. It is about all of the employees are asking just to know what is going on. What is happening around me? How can I help? How much my job is impacting the, 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 the company's results, the bottom line? When we are doing webinars in quality of employees, and we are doing it uh, regionally every month and globally uh, once a quarter, in addition to all of the other forms that we have, and I can talk about them, we are giving employees the opportunities to ask questions. We don't come with a full agenda. It is more of what do you want to know about the company that you cannot read online, or you cannot get from the news or from your manager, from a direct manager, but you have the opportunity to talk with the CEO, with the CSO, with the CHRO, and ask any question that you want. And I think for a new CEO, to go back to your question, it is about giving visibility to people, being transparent with what is working good and what is working less good. What, what, else, what, what areas we need to improve. Uh, this is one. Second is to set an example. I think that many people, and this is something that I've learned from my father, uh, when I was, I think when I became a mom for the first time, he was telling me, I told him, you know, my son is really always about doing things better and he's, he's very tough with himself. And he was asking me, what are you doing? To, it's It is a reflection of what you're doing. It's not about what you will tell your son, right? It's not about you telling him, you know, you need to stop taking things hard. You need to focus, be more positive, it's about what you are demonstrating, it's that behavior. So for me, when I'm thinking about CEOs, people look up to you, you're setting an example, and if you will be passionate about what you're doing, if you will speak up and share your knowledge and experiences, and if you will show that you care and you enjoy enjoy what you do, people will follow you, people will go after you. So it's less about talking. I'm always advising CEOs that I talk with. Less about talking, just, just set an example. Just be part of that team. Um, what else I would say? Uh, the culture, demonstrating our culture. So every company has a long set of, maybe short, but a set of values. Check yourself. Check yourself, check your leadership team. Are we following what we put in place? Are we demonstrating our values? If we are saying that we should respect others, are we doing that? If you're talking about diversity and inclusion, how diverse you are, right? Uh, and I think, again, coming with my background, I'm coming with a lot of finance background. For me, it's all about the data. It's all about the numbers. I and mean, when I talk with CEOs and they're asking, how did you scale up the company that way? Or how did you decide what should be of focus and all of that? It has to start with data. When I've started working in Qualitas, the first thing I did is to collect as much data as I can about attrition, about engagement, about uh, the talent acquisition, how we are hiring people, at what scale, what is the hiring velocity, what are the costs for iron. There is so many metrics that a good CHRO will be able to bring to the CEO to help them to drive the talent transformation that they need to make. So you have to start with data. You have to know the environment and then to bring it to your team. Uh, and to talk about, okay, based on what we are learning, these are the lessons learned, l- learned, let's take an action. But it has to be driven by results and it has to be driven by data. Um, yeah, I think this is pretty much what I would advise CEOs.
2: I wanted to maybe follow it up a little bit. You know, you you there this progression of being in charge of 40 people and now, uh, <laughs> you know, 7,500, right? Um, if you had advice for a founder CEO who, you know, they've gone from having no staff to a dozen staff to two dozen staff and, and they've had that rocket ship growth and now they're at a thousand or two thousand or three thousand. Um, what kind of advice do you have for them of thinking about training that actually works and helping the whole organization become better versions of themselves when you, the CEO, can't do that personally anymore?
1: Uh, yeah, it's very important, the succession of how you build the team that you need to be able to take your promises, right? At the end of the day, the CEOs are going to come and say, this is what we need to achieve. This is how we need to, to go after. This is what we need to go after. I think it is, uh, first, as I was saying, it's to foster a very strong culture. If they will have a strong culture and they will be able to really talk about, for example, in qualities, it's about growth. We are always thinking of how we can be bigger. What do we need to do to scale up? Right. So it's not enough to talk about it. We put targets and we put managed MBOs, managed by objectives to each of the leaders in the company. So they will know, okay, the company needs to achieve this revenue and EBITDA. I need to achieve that in this. So it's all of how you're taking it to the next level and make everyone responsible for the results of the company, not only one person, definitely not only the CEO. So make your team uh, strong, understanding what they need to do and move on. Uh, Very important for every CEO is to delegate, is to say, I am very strong, to know what their strengths and weaknesses are. Not every CEO has all of the boxes, uh, uh, things, right? So you want to ask, okay, what are my strengths? I'm good with communication. I'm going to do that. But if I'm not, I shouldn't be doing that, right? There are many CEOs that are just, they're very good with operation. They're very good with, they're not the best communicators. So don't do it. You need to delegate and find those areas that you're not very strong at and move it to your team and move it to the next team. Um, for companies that want to scale themselves, they have to develop scalable processes, right? What does it mean? It means that you will articulate where do you want to be, what are the gaps? You need a gap analysis of where we are today, where I need to be, and get advice from other CEOs. I think many CEOs are feeling like, Oh, I know better, I've done that in one company, so I can do it in another company. Not necessarily, if it's not the same market, if it's not the same sector. Or... So just get advice from other peers, people that have done it before, and really put those processes that will help you to scale up the business. And it can be some processes about the revenue. So for example, to generate better revenue, you need to sell more uh, in low-cost locations. So how are you going to go about that? What are the gaps Me to be, uh, when we, we were thinking about how to scale qualities and one of the CEO, the previous CEO of well, qualities, he put a target. We want to be a $1 billion company. I'm just saying, okay, so how you're going to go about it. what are the gaps and then what we are having today to that next step. So putting those, analyze the gaps and then articulate what are the processes that you need to put in each of those areas. And then work with your teams. If it is the CMO or the CFO, how we can close these gaps with the goal of the sca- of scaling the company? That is the best. Uh, that is probably the best approach. approach. Uh, prioritization. I think companies that want to scale up have the tendency to go all around and take anything that comes their way. Let's try this and try that. And so prioritization. I think it's a key. And many CEOs are struggling with that. Based on my discussions with others how they prioritize but most importantly how they help their uh, leaders or this chief officer to prioritize what they need to do. Uh, I can talk about my experience as we were growing fast I needed to prioritize what is the most important now obviously we were two years ago we had 2500 employees so just think about the massive growth in the last two years. And I had to prioritize because at the end of the day, uh, quality is owned by a private equity company and how we find the balance between keep investing in employees to protecting the company's EBITDA. That's a question that every, private e- every company has to deal with, right? So I had to prioritize and say, learning and development is definitely the most important area that I need to invest in now because if I will be able to borrow talent instead of going and buy talent from outside. I will be able to help the company scale up. And in the last year, we put a lot of investment in learning and development. And ha- now we are able to deploy most of the positions internally by promoting people, by rotating people from project to project, because we were prioritizing correctly. And now the company was unable to scale up to the next step because we, we, we were set up for success. We, we were talking about what are those gaps. And one of the gaps was learning and development. Are we able to upskill our employees and cross-skill and upskill our employees so they can be the next great hire or next manager in qualities?
2: I love it. Spencer, I'm sure this is bringing up ideas for you. Turn it over to you. It is.
0: Just a few, just a few. So, um, Qualitest is an AI-powered quality engineering services firm. Um, And you indicated that over the last year uh, there's been considerable investment in learning and development. Um, I'm interested in knowing what are the skills or competencies that are in most demand uh, or in most need uh, for your employees at Qualitest.
1: So it is changing. It depends on what uh, the company is going after. We're doing a lot of M and A's exactly to to go and be the next next gen uh, company that a- is able to support our clients with digital transformations, right? So when we are seeing what our clients are looking after and how we can support them, I'm seeing a lot of trends into digital engineering, into AR, VR we just acquired a big company uh based in Santa Clara that this is what they're doing they're providing services to the biggest meta and google with all of their new uh crazy uh products that are coming with with AR VR right so this is a very hot um in the market capability we'll in do the this market. interview
0: next time with our headsets yeah with kind of our meta and apple headsets <laughs> <Next.
1: laughs> That's the next step. That's just, everyone is going to that direction, yes. So this is one very hot uh, area or capability that we, we have in quality test. It's a lot about DevOps. It's a lot about, uh, again, digital engineering, how how we are only not doing quality assurance that we used to do many years back. More quality engineering, work, move the clients uh, into digital engineering. There are a lot of um, uh, work that we are doing around AI. Uh, also, we have acquired a company a couple of years back, about four years back, that has very good AI capabilities. And we are now we built an in-house tool that is helping our clients to plan their uh, quality engineering uh, capab- uh, planning. Okay, So they know where to invest, in how sense, and it is all supported by AI. I can also tell you that not only that the company is providing tools and services to clients, but in People and Talent, we have been working. The last very exciting project I was working with is that the head of Center of Excellence hired uh, four interns that are still at, in college and they were able to develop for us using Qualitas uh, AI tool. They were, using to, they were using it to build an AI tool that will help me and my team to do the search and match. So every position that I have now, the ai tool is actually looking for the supply any com- any employees that we have at the company they are looking in are a lot of database of cvs linkedin profiles all of the data that we have on qualified employees and the tool is advising me on who will be the best fit any position i have it has saved so-, so much time to my team instead of spending time in sourcing and looking for the best candidates and we are able in just by clicking uh, the system, in the system, we're getting a lot of full of candidates that will be the best fit. So the usage of AI, definitely very much of where all of the companies are going to. And everyone is now worried that, uh, AI and shared GPT will replace their workers. Uh, we don't, we don't see that happening. But we definitely believe that it will help us to automate processes, and it is already happening. So, we are using QualityTest AI tool, not only to help our clients, but also in house to improve the way we are operating.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question. Are you eating your own dog food? In that, you know, you dabble, not just dabble, in fact, you're investing heavily. Uh, uh with uh ai how is that applied in in your domain in people and talent and hr uh, so i'm I'm really happy to hear that uh you're you're um, practicing what what you're preaching i guess my next question really is about the, the 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 rapid pace of growth over the last few years doing that during a worldwide pandemic is probably not an easy thing to do and so my question is, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, for someone in your position, uh, what are the skill sets that are needed now post-pandemic that we really need to lean into? Is there one or two that comes to mind?
1: There are many. So I we start by saying, We are now starting to see the market shifting back to normal, meaning many companies are asking people to go back 100% or at least three days to the office. So we're starting to see trends that are going back to normal before COVID. But just to talk with you about what we have seen during COVID. So first of all, it's independency and how, you know, I know that many companies uh, have put some tools to monitor the productivity of their employees, and to see how they're becoming still productive while working from home. This is a huge change that came with COVID, that people have started working from home. So how we can maintain that type of uh, productivity. In Qualiti,es we didn't do anything like that. We, don't, we trust our employees, and we were mostly focusing on enabling employees and helping them by providing workshops and support to how to transition to be more independent and more uh, disciplined with how you, how you work. So this is definitely a skill that my learning and uh, development department is working a lot on how to help employees to be more disciplined and how to help employees to be more productive while their son is shouting from the other door and their dog needs to have lunch, right? So this is a big skill that we are... It's a soft skill, but it is not less important than what what other companies are talking about. Uh, Another trend that we have seen during COVID is that... um, and again, I'm mostly talking about soft skills because the, the majority of the digital transformation that companies are going through, um, I don't think that necessarily COVID is what made that change, but it is mostly about companies understand that they need to provide more automation to save time, be more efficient. And just uh, so a lot about automation, AI how to make it more efficient so these are the areas that you see companies more investing in but COVID has taught me and my team that we need to think differently for example how to equip people with what they need to be able to work from home or how to make people more productive or how to make more collaborative workplace uh, where you don't meet your team anymore and you see them in Zoom and um, it, it's not the same work environment. Talking about culture, how do you keep company culture when we are talking about the atmosphere? What is that atmosphere when people are not coming to offices, right? So I would say that mostly it was around how to make people engaged. We did a lot of work around making people engaged. We didn't want people to burn out from walking long hours. You know, I'm in front of my laptop, so I'm just keep it open and I will talk with my wife and then I'm going to go back to do my work. and. All around that. we were mostly worried about the human side of things. And more and more CHRO understand now that it's not only about the skills that I'm going to give. Yes, we have, I can talk with you for hours about the upstreaming programs that we have in place that are very different, that are very quick. We have programs that people can do in hours, people, you know, micro learning. Uh, we have a lot of uh, video uh, that people can take on their cell phone, video trainings with tests and with a mentor that tons of those. But I think the focus for Qualities was to make sure that people are engaged, people are not burning out, burned out, and that people are connected to the company even while working remote. So this is from a soft skill side of engagement, collaboration. From the skills themselves, we put a lot of focus on how, one, we've changed all how we hire grads, freshers out of college. So we have automated the process 100. We've done it more with interviews, video interviews, uh, ev- all of the tests. They need to take some test gamifications, a lot of involvement with it- gamifications. So people really want to take that test because they're getting prizes, and uh, there, there is competition between with others. So a lot of gamifications, a lot of video interviews, a lot of um, a lot of uh, collaborative interviewing. We were doing uh, speed dating. Uh, exactly as speed dating but speed interviewing where you as an in, me as an interviewer and the candidate decide if you want to move on after 10 minutes. If not, if not, we're moving to the next interviewer and to the next. So a lot of creative ways of how to hire and how to engage employees and how to upskill them while they are working from home or while we need people to be upskilled in in, in hours and months and we don't have time for people to go through the training for months right so i have tons of more ideas um telling me if to keep going
0: <laughs> well enough thank you for not swiping left uh in our uh, discussion in our interview thank you for going longer than 10 minutes i guess one final question and, and then jess i'll turn it back to you enough is there someone in your professional life or personal life that has inspired your leadership style?
1: Oh, it's a good question. Um, I was very lucky first to be born to a very proud father of three daughters. (laughs) So since the day I was born, my father was very proud and he's probably my best advisor and uh, has been my best uh, mentor. Unfortunately, I lost him 10 years ago, but he was my best friend and mentor. And he kept telling me not to stop, just don't stop, just put a target, go, next target. Don't wait to get your next target before you go and look for your next target. So this is one. And he also taught me something very smart that I, I think this is what made me successful in what I'm doing and keep growing in every organization I've been, is that don't try to change others, try to change yourself or the situation, but not others. And it has been very his. It was demonstrating to me that throughout all of my life. And I was able to take that to my career life. And most of the time was implemented that successfully.
2: I think I know we're kind of winding down here more. Um, I would love to talk specifically about any of the nuances of working with private equity backed companies and advice you have for leaders trying to grow a business in partnership with a private equity investor.
1: Yeah I think as with every company it's always and it's always about the the bottom line and I think this is why I've been successful working in private equity because of my background I don't know if all C h r o can support private equity because you really need to understand what are the financial goals what the company is trying to achieve and for me when i put the plan for people in talent i knew that i need to look at the what are the financial goals so what is the ebitda target and how people and talent can support that or well, what is the revenue and how What is my impact on the revenue? For example, hiring velocity. If I will want to be improving the hiring velocity, the impact directly. So it's not only necessarily about private equity, but with private equity, you have more impact. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about the EBITDA and how the company will be able to sell at the highest price. So you always need to be very data-driven, very result-driven. And when you go and talk with the board, you have to talk numbers. You cannot talk about, oh, employees are not engaged. We need to make more investment. You need to make the case. And when I came, I can think of many, many initiatives, but during COVID, when many companies started laying off, panicking, and starting laying off people, I came with a model to say, why are we doing that? What would be the alternative cost? What will be, if the revenue will go by that, then we can action A, B, and C. When the revenue will go one more step, so I... I basically put a graduated plan on how we can support the business while we are on COVID. And if we won't do that, if we wouldn't have done that, we, were, we could have lost a lot, of piece, a lot of money because a couple of months later, we've started hiring again like crazy, like most of the companies, right? People have started, companies have started giving bonuses for people or gift cards to people to come to interviews because they let go of all of the people and, hey, guess what? We need you back again. So we didn't do that in Qualities. We were very, we took that model and we implemented that. So this is one uh, uh, initiative that I think every private equity company will appreciate. Not only to go with the flow, of what the market looks like, but really look into, it's a trend. It's a trend and now it exists, tomorrow it won't be here. How you can really think long term and how you can put your planning into more the financial impact of the company and how you can protect that. So I have more examples of those, but mostly to be on top of your numbers, mostly to talk them language and come with very creative ideas. It's not enough to uh, we we I put a model that will basically will show the board how I'm going to attain the top twenty ta- percent of the employees, which are the top talent instead of investing in all of the employees and providing best benefits in the market. and if you would look today, we are actually we were able to save and attain ninety eight percent our top talent because of that program that we put in place that will be focusing on those that are adding the most value to the company. There are different ways on how to protect protect the revenue and uh, uh, revenue and habitat that will be, that is very valuable to private equity companies.
2: Well, um, I think I understand now how you won all those awards like CHRO of the world, <laughs> CH, CHRO of the year awards and the things that you've won. Um, you know, I I think about this subject actually a lot like I love you bringing the 80-20 principle in there about those you know keeping those top 20% makes such a outsized value on what the company is able to do right but like I look at boards um I look at uh c-suites and like so often to me the the two roles that get discounted the most is the chief marketing officer and the head of people or HR and they're the two two roles I find the least likely to speak in terms of numbers. Like the CEO and CFO who have to go report to the investors or to the board have to talk in terms of an Excel spreadsheet. And the operations team talks to the the CEO and the CFO in terms of an Excel spreadsheet. And there's so many chief marketing officers, chief, chief HR officers, that talk in terms of employee engagement surveys, uh, that talk in terms of how many likes we got on Facebook, right? And the, as a CEO, like what are they supposed to do with that? That's not, the the board, there's no slot of like, and by the way, uh, what was our social media engagement this, this quarter? Like there's no slot on that, uh, on the uh, SEC filings, right? And so you look at those few marketing, chief marketing officers and, f- and folks in HR like yourself who are willing to do the hard work to say, okay, how do I translate this into its effect on bottom line? No, no wonder, you know, this idea of being like partnering with the CEO and, uh, and, and this kind of brand that you have has been so strong, but you're willing to do the hard work that so many folks in your position don't do, which is translating it to what this means in terms of profits.
1: I don't know how to do it differently. I don't think that I can be successful at my job as a CHRO without understanding business. It has to be that way. By the way, I am presenting ENPS and we are doing the ENPS survey, but you know what I'm doing with that? I'm presenting comparison between countries and between different teams so managers can really take actions out of it. It's a tool. At the end of the day, the engagement survey is a tool, but if you know to analyze, and this is a key, every HR has to have that there in their kit because you have to know how to analyze that. It's not enough. I have tons of dashboards. Again, I love. Excel is my best friend. I'm very good with numbers, I, but I, it's not enough just to put the numbers. And it's also, you need to take it, you need to put actions. So every year we're doing the ENPS and we're coming with action plans and focus and planning for the following year. And we are sharing with employees and we're getting feedback and it's, it's how you use it. Uh, and it is also how, who is your audience? Obviously what I'm sharing with the leaders on the ground is very different than what I'm sharing with the board. And when the board is private equity, you need to talk numbers and you need to convince them of what they've made a lot in politics, a lot of investment in learning and development because they came with what will be the ROI.
2: I literally had this conversation yesterday with someone uh, in the lean continuous improvement, you know, enterprise excellence arena, where it's like mm-hmm. you get some engineer who comes in and they want to talk about turnaround times and tack time and these engineering terms. And it's like, well, all the people lower down the organization don't care about those things. They care about frustration at work, right? You don't, talk, don't talk turnaround time. Talk about reducing frustration at work. All the people above you in the organization also don't care about those engineering terms. So, you know, I love Japan. I think Japan is so cool. Most people don't care about all the Japanese terminology in continuous improvement. What the people below you care about is frustration and not hating my job. What the people above you care about is what's on the Excel spreadsheet that's going to my boss. And no wonder that, you know, depending who you ask, like 75% to 95% of lean transformations fail. And it's because nobody, that the lean leaders are not speaking the language of the people they're talking to. And uh, so I I commend you on speaking the language of the people you're talking to. (laughs)
1: You have to, you can ask my team. I'm always asking when they come to present a presentation or any, any new initiative, I'm asking, who is your audience? What is your end goal? What are you trying to achieve? And by the way, you can achieve the same goals, but the, the message should be different. The message you will give to your employees and the message you will give to your leaders or to your CEO, specifically the board has to be different and you need to align that message. Yeah, I, I hear you.
2: Where should people follow you on social media? Is it LinkedIn is best? And what about the website and where should they be?
1: Yeah, uh, it's on my website. Not yet. It's on my list to do. Uh, now I have an uh, incentive to, for, to write a book. Thank you. No, I'm kidding. But yes, definitely start with uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I have my email ID so everyone can have I have it on LinkedIn so people can talk, contact me. And I'm more than willing to share my knowledge and to learn from others always.
2: Yeah, this has been so great. Thanks for making the time. And you should write a book. You should not be kidding. You should be writing a book.
1: (laughs) Will do. Thank you.
2: Bye, everyone.